Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. When I was at, uh, played at baseball at UCLA, my last year, we were really good. We had all of these like top prospects that were freshmen that were now juniors. And so we had this, we had this great team and uh, we were number one in the nation for a few weeks during that season. And so when we got to the regionals, the playoffs, we were the top ranked team in the regional. There were six teams in each regional. The top team goes to the World Series, eight regionals around the U.S., eight teams in the World Series. And so we were number one in the region. We were kind of highly anticipated because we got all the accolades during the year. And the host team was Oklahoma State University. That's where the tournament was. And uh, the sixth seed, which was the last seed, was Harvard. We were the first seed. So the first game, we played Harvard, and we lost to Harvard, the Brainiacs. They beat us. They did some mind tricks on us or something. And so when they did that, when we lost, the Oklahoma State team, who was the host team, they started chirping to their local paper and radio saying that the West Coast pretty boys, UCLA, they don't know how to play ball like we play in the Midwest. And so we were like, whoa, fighting words. I took it very personally as well as my team. And so you, I've told the story. We went on to destroy Oklahoma State back-to-back games, 14-1 to and 22-2. to and then, we, and then we advanced to the World Series. And so it was a, it was a great victory. It was a great tournament. But, but when they said that to me, I was thinking about this this week. When they said that to, to the radio about us, um, I, got, I got like... Um, Scared about what I'm going to say or what? <laughs> They're like, cut him off, cut him off. <laughs> but I took it personally, and I was like, and, and it wasn't just about me. Like, it wasn't just I was taking it personally. It wasn't even about my team necessarily, although it was. It was more about UCLA. Like, you're talking trash about UCLA. At the time, we had more big leaguers than any other college in America. We had more national championships, all sports, than any other college in America. Like, you're, you're talking trash about UCLA, and I thought it was the best school, you know, that there was. And so I want the world to know that UCLA is awesome. And so when you're talking trash about me, you're talking trash about my school. You're talking trash about all the alumni. You're talking trash about all the people that made this school what it is. It was bigger than just me. It was bigger than just our team. It was about the college. There was a bigger purpose. I love our military here in San Diego. I love the military because they understand that what they're fighting for isn't just about them. It's not just about free college or a career. It's about defending the freedoms of America, the United States of America, the greatest country we've ever seen. They understand that. They're fighting for something bigger. There's a bigger purpose than just them. I love San Diego. I want it to be America's finest city for real. That's why I tell everybody, it's America's finest city. I remember when the Chargers lost to Seattle years ago, and uh, I remember thinking, I can't believe we lost to Seattle, but at the end of the day, we still win because we live in San Diego. So even if we lose, we win. And so, and so I want San Diego to be the greatest city in the world. I want Awaken Church to be the greatest church in the world. 
And even, and even because, because I want the church, not just awake, I want the church to be looked at as something good, something powerful, somewhere someone can come into and get their life transformed. It's bigger than me, you know, fulfilling my dream as a pastor, or it's bigger than us even in San Diego. It's about the church. Like there's a big purpose to what we're doing here. It's bigger than what we think. And I don't know if it's because it's a, a merge week, Pastor Andre, but I'm talking about David and Goliath a little bit. I feel an emergy right now. And I'm going to pre-warn you that I'm going to read the Bible this afternoon. And if you receive what I read, I'm telling you, the, the, the most powerful thing I can do is read you the Bible. It's living and powerful, the Bible says. So it says in 1 Samuel 17, 10 to 11, you guys know the story, David and Goliath, the Philistines and Israel, and they're coming together and and uh, uh, the champion from Gath, Goliath, is, is popping off. And here's what he says. So the Philistines said, 1 Samuel 17, 10, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we would fight together. And when Saul and all the Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Verse 26 David comes on the scene, he's bringing food to his brothers and wants to check out the battle scene, see how things going on. He leaves his sheep behind. He says, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now, this is groundbreaking because David realized something. This isn't just about the armies of Israel. He's defying the armies of the living God. He's trying to take down the armies of the living God. It's not just the armies of Israel. Before this, in this story, they're just talking about the armies of Israel. But David saw something different. A chapter earlier, he was anointed king. He, the Spirit of God, the Bible says, came upon David the chapter before. So maybe it's because he's seeing differently. Maybe it's because he saw the bigger picture. He said, this isn't just about this battle. These guys are coming against God. Come on, these drag queen meetings that we're seeing all over the world, it's not just about Republican and Democrat, you know, liberal or conservative. It's not just about these 20 or 30 people. They are defying God. It's bigger than that. It's bigger than a bunch of perverted weirdos in banana hammocks doing the splits in front of little kids. Like, I'm done being PC. That is ridiculous. Not that I ever was PC, but. But it's bigger than that. You know who's worse than the perverted men wearing weird outfits dressed up like women? You know what's weirder than that? You know what's more perverted than that? The parents that are bringing their kids. I don't even blame the drag queens. I blame the parents. We need to get some men that go to Emerge and know how to be a dad. Know how to raise champions in victory. These parents need a big, a big slapping, but it's bigger than that. You know what Jesus said? He said, it's, it's better for you to have a millstone wrapped around your neck and thrown into the sea, drown and die, than to take one of these kids and make them stumble. They are defying God. David had a revelation. Verse 32 says, then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. Verse 37, moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me 
from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear. He will deliver me from the hand of the Philistines. Come on, we defeat the enemy with what? The blood of Jesus, the word of our testimony, and not loving our life. I remember years ago, uh, I jumped into ministry, and when we jumped into ministry, my wife and I, we needed a financial miracle because I needed to make $30,000 outside of my full-time job at the church just to pay my bills. So before I go to the movies, I need 30 grand. And uh, what I thought was gonna um, provide that fell apart right when I took the job. Come on, how funny is God? And so we get into ministry, and, I'm belie- and we're believing God, and God tells me, I want you to give an offering of $1,000. Now, $1,000 is a lot when you don't have uh, enough money to pay your bills for the year, right? So, but I gave the $1,000, and we were believing God. We were believing God that that seed would come back, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And so we gave that seed, and within two months, wouldn't you know, the state of California sends me a check for 29,950 something or whatever it was. And so I called my accountant, I'm like, Mr. Accountant, I just got a check for $30,000, what do I do? And he said, from the state of California, they're not giving money to anybody, get to the bank and cash that bad boy. So I ran to the bank, cashed that thing, and, and, and God had provided. And I remember telling Pastor Juergen, I'm like, Pastor Juergen, because at that point, I'd already been healed of kidney failure. So I had faith. I had faith for miracles. I had faith for healings. But I had never had to believe God for financial provision before. But I used the testimony that the same God, the same power that heals the sick is the same God and same power that can provide for you. So because I had a testimony over here, I could believe God that he was going to deliver me over here. David had a testimony. The hand of God delivered him from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. So he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? The same God, the same power that delivered me there is going to deliver me here. Your testimony in your past is powerful for the victories in your future. But you got to remember what God did. you got to remember what God did. Verse 45 and 46. Then David said to the Philistine, you come at me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. I feel like he's kind of chuckling right now. He's like, (laughs) but I come at you in the name of the Lord of hosts. David wasn't just going in in his physical strength, in his human strength. He was coming at Goliath with the same power that killed the bear and killed the lion. I coming at you in the name, in the name, in the name of the Lord of hosts. The God, not of just the army of Israel, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day, I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth. So David says, I'm going to cut off your head, and then I'm going to go after the army. I'm going to take all y'all out. But this is the verse. The next verse is the verse I want you to, to see because this is what David saw. It wasn't just about the battle. It wasn't just about Goliath. He said that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. This was bigger than just the battle. This was about UCLA. It wasn't just about the team. This was about America, not just about your retirement. This was so all the earth would know that there is a God. The reason why I want you to be successful is so the people around you will know, man, there must be a God. 
The reason I like to see a demonstration of the power of God, demons leaving, the sick being healed, is because I want people to know that God is real, that his power is here. That the whole world would know. That's what we're doing at Awakened Church. It's bigger than us. I want the world to know that God is good. I want the world to know that God is powerful. It's like, I don't know, it might even be unhealthy. (laughs) But I think God's okay with it. The title of this message is Make Him Reign. Make Him Reign. Our job in this life is to make Him reign. Make Him famous. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. First he said, I'm the light of the world. Then he said, you're the light of the world. He said, I'm going to put myself in you and light you up, and you're going to be the light of the world. And I want you to go and do good things that people would see you and glorify your Father in heaven, that we would make Him reign. The only way to do it is Romans 5, 17. Here it is. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Through the one, Jesus Christ. So the way that you and I make him reign is we make us reign. When we reign, we have the platform to make him reign. God has no problem elevating you if you're willing to elevate him. He wants to elevate you because he wants himself to be elevated. Not that he's prideful or whatever, but you and I aren't meant to receive worship. You and I aren't meant to receive glory. Look all around the world. Look at Hollywood. Look at even, even, you know, uh, some of the famous Christians. And they start to for whatever reason, receive worship. They didn't start out that way, but whatever. The devil got in their ear. They started getting famous. They started getting power. They started getting money. All of a sudden, they're like, yeah, this is all me. This is all me. And then they get into a place of pride, and pride comes before a a fall. And then their life falls apart, and they wonder what happens because they started to receive worship. Your job and my job is not to receive worship. It's to deflect worship. It's to elevate the one who gave you the gifts, who allowed you to be here. Here's what it says, Revelation 1, 5 to 6. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, he is the king of kings, to him who loved us, watch this, and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And he has made us. He has made us. We haven't made us. He has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Revelation 5.10, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. God has made us kings and priests. Another translation is a royal priesthood. So ladies, you're involved in this. It's not just male kings. It's us. Male and female. God created us to have dominion together. Kings and priests. Kings and priests. He has made us kings and priests to give him glory. So he's given us the power to reign on earth so that we can make him reign. So we can make him reign. What does it look like to reign on earth? It means overcoming stuff. It means not backing down to things. It means getting up when you've been knocked down. It means prophesying over somebody. It means healing the sick. It means casting out devils. It means having peace in the midst of a storm. It means speaking to the weather when you got here and say, be sunny, don't be cloudy, don't be raining. 
Come on, Jesus wasn't overtaken by the elements. Jesus was walking on them. Reigning in life means having peace. It means, it means staring fear in the face and commanding it to leave. It means not bowing your knee to depression or suicide or addiction. It means breaking the power of those things. It means raising your kids in the house of God. It means having a marriage willing to fight for. Come on, it means having friendships. It means not responding in a way that the world responds. It means maybe loving somebody that doesn't seem to be lovable. It maybe means being kind to somebody, encouraging somebody, lifting somebody up, blessing somebody, believing God for favor so you can be a blessing. That's called reigning in life, speaking to those things that aren't as though they are and seeing them happen. Being filled with the power of God, being anointed by God to do things. That's what it means to be reigning in this life. Hebrews 2.8 says, you have put all things in subjection under his, us, feet. Psalms 8.6, you have made him, us, to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. So God created it and put you in charge of it. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, so you don't have ownership, but you do have rulership. You're meant to rule and reign over the things that he created with his hands right here on earth. I checked the commentaries. That means now. It's not like when Jesus comes back. Can you reign on earth? Yeah, you'll reign then, but now it's time to reign now so that we can bring people with us. So come on, so we can get people there. Ephesians 1, 19 to 21, I told you I was going to be reading the Bible. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? Any believers? This is for us. This is for us. According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, which means now, but also in that which is to come. Ephesians 2, 5 and 6. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together. Say it together. With Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together. Say it together. Yes. And made us sit together. Say it together. Yes. In heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is exciting. So God raised up Jesus far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and seated him at his right hand. Then God, when we were dead in our trespasses, raised us up alive together with him, seated in Christ, where? Far above principalities, powers, mights, and dominion, in this age and in the age to come. You are called to rule and to reign. You don't got to beg heaven to come to earth. You're in heaven commanding things to come to earth. You're seated at the right hand of the Father, empowered to make him reign. Empowered to make him reign. And you don't have to be a Christian for like 30 years, Pastor Morgan. Like this, is, this can happen now. Those who believe. You may come in here not believing. You can leave here believing and all this stuff pertains to you. All this stuff. You don't have to have it all together. You can consider yourself armed and dangerous from the second you get saved. This is crazy. Jesus comes to his disciples and he's like, hey, guys, who do they think that I am? And they're like, oh, you know, Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he says, who do you think I am? Peter goes, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the prophesied one. And Jesus goes, well said. And then, so right after the revelation, 
right after he starts believing in Jesus, he goes, I'm going to give you the keys. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The second after he gets the revelation, he says, here's my keys. Jesus is saying, if you believe in me, I'll believe in you. He says, if you're not against me, you're for me. In my name, go and start binding and loosing things. Have at it. Make a mistake. I don't care. Bind something, loose something, do something. Peter made all kinds of mistakes. He made, my son is 15. He's about to ask me for keys. He said, I'm going to get my license before all my friends. So he's already, you know, passed all his tests online. And come September, he's going to be like, Dad, give me the keys. I remember my parents gave me the keys. The day I turned 16, I got my license, and they gave me keys to their red convertible Celica. I went and picked up my girlfriend. I'm like, what's up? <laughs> when you get keys, you get power. When you get keys, you get access. When you get keys, you get independence. When you get keys, you get access. And Jesus is saying, I don't care how long you've been a Christian, but what I care is do you believe? Because if you believe, here's access to all the heavens. Here's power. Come on, go do something. Go be, go be crazy. Go be a crazy Christian. He also gives you his name from the jump. Right now, I'm giving you my name. Here's some keys, and here's my name. He says, go use my name. Go in my authority. David said, I'm coming at you in the name. I'm not coming at you by myself. I'm coming at you in the name, in the name. And when you have his name, check this out, March 16, 17, and 18. And these signs shall follow those who what? Believe. In my name. Those who believe in my name. This is what you can do. You can cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents and scorpions or serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Just in my name. Take my name. I was talking about Wednesday night. You can pray in the name of Elon Musk. Powerful dude. Powerful dude. But a demon will laugh in your face and will jump on you and take you out. But when you pray in the name of Jesus... Demons will scatter. Sicknesses will dissolve. In the name of Jesus, you can do all of these things. But it's only in his name. Philippians 2, 8 to 11. This is how powerful his name is. And being found in appearance as a man, Jesus, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. Therefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above Every name. Whatever you're facing right now has a name. Name it and then declare the name of Jesus over it. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of those in heaven, of those on earth, and of those, it covered everything under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now God is elevating the name of Jesus above his own name. Because he says you're the name above every name, even in the heavens. Wow, that's why David said, I'm coming in the name. Goliath, you ain't got a chance because I'm coming in the name. There is nothing more powerful than the name of Jesus. So once you believe, come on, you got the keys and you got the name. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. Now go in my name. Everything we do, it's in the name. It's in the name. It's in the name. The reason we don't reign in life, 
The reasons a lot of Christians aren't reigning in life. The reasons they're living under what God has put them over. Come on, we're seated high above all principality and power. That means there ain't no devil above your level. But yet we're bowing our knee to fear, anxiety, depression, addiction, perversion, when God has called us to live over. And he's given us a name. You know why we don't reign? Lack of knowledge. Hosea 4, 6. My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. He's not talking about the secular people. He's not talking about the He's talking about us, our, my people, the people in the house of God have a lack of knowledge. Some of you didn't know you were called to reign in life. That's okay. That's why you're here. You're smart. You're here. You're learning. You're growing. We need to renew our minds with this. This is my power Bible. Whenever I bring this Bible, watch out. <laughs> but we have a lack of knowledge. We don't know. Some of us just think we're timid people. This is what I, what I felt this morning, is that there are people uh, in church today, and you've relegated yourself to being, to being quiet, to being kind of like a behind-the-scenes person. And, and quiet people and behind-the-scenes people are real people, but they've relegated themselves to that. But really, it's a spirit of timidity that's on your life. You can be quiet and behind the scenes, but you can't be timid. The righteous are as bold as lions. But the devil is tricking us and causing us to just relegate ourselves, say this is just how we are, we're just quiet people. And you can be quiet, but you can't be timid. For God did not give you a spirit of timidity. He did not give you a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. But if you had a lack of knowledge and you just thought that's how I am, no. If you didn't know, you could crush the power of addiction in a day, Pastor Morgan and Jenny. Come on. Our recovery program is breaking chains off of people every single week. So we start living under. When Jesus said, live over, reign, rule in life. Make his name reign. Make his name reign. The other reason, and the reason I think I'm, I'm preaching today, is we feel unworthy. We feel unworthy. And here's the truth. We are unworthy. None of us are worthy to live a life that Jesus died to give us. That's why it's called grace. Grace is receiving something that you don't deserve. Mercy is not receiving something you do deserve. We didn't deserve death. That's what we deserve because the penalty of sin is death. But then God gives us grace. He empowers us to be kings and priests. And here's the deal. If you don't step into your royalty, what you're saying is, Jesus, what you did is unworthy. I can do it myself. If we don't step into what God paid a price for, if we're not giving him what he paid for, we're saying it's unworthy. It's not enough what you did. Even though you said it is finished, it's not enough. I can do it by myself. I'm going to go in the name of somebody else. But Jesus paid a price for us. So in our feeling unworthiness and timid and not willing to step up into the things that God has given us, we're saying that it's unworthy. And sometimes it's a hard thing to receive something you didn't pay for. But man, why not give him what he paid for? You ever, you ever um, worked really hard and like planned out something or maybe you just spent a lot of money on something and a gift and you give it to somebody and like they don't use it or they don't really care about it or... There's no acknowledgement about it. I did this a few years ago. Gave the biggest gift I'd given to somebody. And like, like, did they even get it? 
There's no thank you. It's kind of deflating. That's what we're doing if we're not receiving what Jesus gave to us. He worked hard for that. He worked hard for that. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. says, for he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Some of you don't think Jesus knows what you're going through. He was sin. He knows the pressure of sin. He knows the pressure of temptation. He was tempted in all things, the Bible says, and he felt the weight of sin. But the Bible says, although he was perfect, he became sin in exchange for us that we might become righteous. Now here's the thing, God is, God is justice, he's a judge. He has to punish sin, because he's justice. But he's also a God of love. And so here's the picture, that God, because he's justice, he's gotta handle sin, he's gotta punish sin. So he gets out his nine millimeter, and he's looking at us who, who have sinned, and he's saying, I gotta bring justice, I gotta punish this sin. But then he saw your face and he said, I'm a God of love. I so love the world. And so before he pulls the trigger, he sends his son. And at the last moment, Jesus comes in between you and I. And he takes the punishment of your sin and my sin that we might become righteous. So now when God looks down on the earth, he sees you through the blood of Jesus. And he sees perfection. He sees righteousness. He sees right standing. Because he's looking through the blood. He's looking through the blood. And unlike the Old Testament, where, where, where the sacrificial blood covered our sins, the blood of Jesus washes it away. You're not a covered creature. You are a new creation. John the Baptist says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He washes it away. He takes it away. You're not just covered. God didn't come to repair you. He came to make you new in all areas. You're starting fresh today. First, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, is anyone in Christ? He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He doesn't make new unrighteous things. He makes new righteous things. So all the old things, once you believe, once you step into your royalty as a king and a priest, which, by the way, the highest title in the earth is a king. The highest title in the Bible is a priest. Top of the food chain. Hello. To rule and to reign, not over people, but over things, over stuff, over atmospheres, over devils, over sickness. You were made righteous. First, First John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us continually continually from all unrighteousness. 1 John 2.12, I was, I was researching this this week. 1 John 2.12, it's, it's written in perfect tense, what they call perfect tense. It says, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his namesake. Perfect tense means this, a past completed action with present and ongoing results. So your sins are forgiven and your sins will be forgiven forever and ever and ever. There's a continual cleansing. It's a past event with present and ongoing results. You remain forgiven. You remain forgiven because 
The blood of Jesus has washed away, separated sin from you. It's not like every time you sin, you got to come groveling like uh, in the dust, like you're a worm and say, God, forgive me. He already did, and it's present, and it's ongoing. He's cleansed you, and he's cleansing you. It is finished is what he said. He didn't say you got to keep coming back and keep coming back and keep coming back. Here's the deal. I got, I got three kids, right? And with, if, if one of my kids sins against me, they're forgiven. I don't remove them from a relationship. I don't separate myself from them. The Bible says nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. I don't separate them. I forgive them immediately, ongoing, all the time. And because I've provided an atmosphere of forgiveness, they're willing to change their behavior, hopefully. They're willing to confess, get help, and grow and change their behavior. Here's the deal. Prodigal son. You guys know the story. He comes to his dad. He's like, you're dead to me. Give me all my money. Give me all of my inheritance. So he gives him his money. He ruins his life. He's in pig slop and he's like, comes to himself. He's like, I got to go back. He comes back to his father. And before he sees his father, his father sees him because he's already forgiven. He's looking for him. He's like, where's my son? Where's my son? Where's my son? And he sees his son before his son sees him, and he runs to his son. When he gets there, he doesn't say, son, bow down and ask for, con- for forgiveness. Confess your sins to me, son. You know what he does? He lunges at him, hugs him, kisses his neck. His son hasn't said anything yet. And then his son says, dad, I'm so sorry. I ruined my life. Just make me like a hired servant. And you know what his, his dad says? Doesn't even acknowledge what that, that statement. Doesn't even acknowledge it. He says, go get him the ring. Go get him the robe. Go get him the sandals. Get the fatted calf. Let's celebrate my son is back in the house. He's already fully forgiven, which is why he came back into the house. Now he's willing to change his behavior. So the blood of Jesus starts you at acceptance. What I'm saying is we can grow in understanding, but we can't grow in right standing. You are right standing. You will be right standing. Nothing can separate you from the righteousness of God. Nothing's more powerful than the blood of Jesus. It's present tense. It's a past action with ongoing and present power. You are cleansed. God said to Jesus before he did his ministry, in you I'm well pleased. I'm well pleased. The reason we do good works is not to become righteous, it's because we are righteous. It's because we are righteous. We start from that place. Every day, every day, every day you are righteous. If you wanna reign in life, you gotta know this. You gotta know that every day when you wake up, you are righteous. Not because you deserved it, not because you earned it, but because he paid for it with everything that he had. Don't make him suffer for nothing. Let's rule. Let's reign. Let's make him reign. Let's live a life of power. Let's live a life of not just reading the Bible, but experiencing the Bible. Let's be the church. Come on, it's bigger than us. It's God. It's about God. It's about the whole world knowing that there is a God with power. That's why when your life is transformed, it's important because the world around you are going to know there's power in the God that you serve.
Come on, when you heal the sick, that's important because people are going to know that there is a God around you with power and he's alive and well. Come on, when you go out of your house, go in the name. I'm going in the name. I'm going in the name. God, give me the keys. I'm about to bind something. I'm about to lose something. I'm about to change an atmosphere wherever I go. I'm about to encourage and bless somebody. Man, we can go in the name. Let's stand to our feet. Who's ready to rule and reign in this life? Make him reign. Man, David and Goliath. You can read that every single week. Be inspired. See something different. But the revelation this week for me, it was kind of like a re-revelation, reminder, which it probably is for a lot of you, that the blood washes it away. You don't have to deal with that shame. He already did. He dealt with it. It has been dealt with. It is finished. It is finished. But because of the world we live in, we think we got to do all this stuff so we can be used by God. Believe, get the keys. Believe, get the name. I didn't even talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I could preach a lot about this stuff. Get power. Get the keys. Use the name. He's given you tools. He's given you tools to make him reign in this life. Let me pray for you. Actually, repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, I thank you that your blood washed away my sins. That thousands of years ago, when you died on the cross, you washed away my sins. And the same power that the blood had back then, it has now. So, Father, I pray that I would get a revelation today that I am not unworthy, but I am worthy because of what you did on the cross. I will rule, I will reign, and I will make you famous. In Jesus' name. One more example I forgot about. This is a good one. Joseph Prince, who's a pastor in uh, Singapore. He uses this example about this continual cleansing idea. And he says he, t he takes a, a rock, a muddy rock, and he goes to a cliff where there's a waterfall. And he puts that rock in the, in the cleft of this cliff where there's continual cleansing, continual washing, continual cleaning. So if anything touches that rock, any speck of dirt is continually and instantaneously clean. Constantly washed clean. Constantly washed clean. If we can, if, if, if that's our foundation, look out. Look out. We don't have to worry about what's behind us. We still need to perhaps change our behavior, but that should be a motivating thing. That should be motivating us that what he did for me, man, I'm going to go make him reign. I'm going to go make him reign. Let's close our eyes. I want to ask a question. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, you've never said, Jesus, come into my life. He is the one that can turn the power on in your life. He is the one that can give you that authority. But until you know him, until you believe in him, none of this stuff matters. So if you're here and you've never asked Jesus in your life, can you lift your hand? I want to pray for you. Is there anybody in here like that? Oh, God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? Thank you. God bless you. Amen. Is there anybody else? Maybe you're here and you're like, man, I need a fresh start. I was... I was I was sitting underneath unworthiness. Thank you. 
but now I know I'm worthy, not because of me, but because of him, what he did. I don't deserve it, but he paid for it, so I might as well step into royalty. Come on, Fetchy, you, lift your hand. I want to pray for you. God bless you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you up back there. Sometimes we just need a second chance. Thank you. No longer are you going to be destroyed from a lack of knowledge. No longer. Okay, everybody, say these words after me. Say, dear Jesus, especially those of you that raise your hand, say, dear Jesus, I thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross for my sins. I thank you for the blood that cleansed me and is cleansing me. This, this afternoon, I declare that heaven is my home, that God is my Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.